Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Once again, Greetings, Mal- Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Help yourself your radio. You know, and here I was thinking that I was going to be down on the technology, that this was going to be sort of a stripped down uh, skin and bones type of show. And the dang thing worked. How do you like that? When you have a good platform, the dang thing just works. So as I was saying, here we are once again. I am, of course, the mouth of the South Shore Cordova. Uh, we'll see if we can figure out if we can have a co-host here and what we can do with that. Until that point, I will be with you, and I will be with you until about 10 p.m., so an hour-long wrestling schmooze, if you will. Oh, what is it? Yes. So we will be on, and we will be talking about caulking. Now, we're talking about a lot of wrestling stuff tonight, and... You know, I want to get into a couple of discussions that I think are prevalent in today's wrestling world and a few big stories that have come out. And I want to lead into that, as we often do, by leaning in to the real world. And I start you with this. There are currently a number of people that are working for no pay. And I'm not talking about WWE wrestlers that, you know, just aren't getting on pay-per-views. No, I'm talking about the government workers because, you know, we have like a a shutdown or whatever's going on. And I bring it up for this reason. There have been stories since the shutdown of people stepping up and doing some of the jobs that the government workers have done, that they get paid to do. To give an example, something close to my heart, National Parks. And if you want to hear more about that, um, I got a channel over on Facebook, and we're going to be going to a couple more platforms, so stay tuned on that. But on Facebook, it's Cordova's Travels Through History, where we talk about some of the great national parks, national historic sites that you can see and that you should see. So after that cheap plug, a lot of them, you've, I'm sure you've been seeing in the news, are being, I don't want to say desecrated, that's kind of a strong word, but they're certainly not being tended to because there are people that generally get paid to clean them up. And that's all fine and good. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that there should be people that do that, but in the absence of these government workers that normally do it because these are government-owned parks. In the absence of that, what we're finding is that there are people stepping up. You had a libertarian group do it. You had 
a uh, group of um, like a Muslim thing step up and do it. A lot of people saying, you know what? We don't want to see these bad things happen, so we're going to step up to the plate and make it happen. And when that happens, you start to wonder, because they call these programs non-essential, because during the shutdown, the quote-unquote essential programs, well, they're still going, right? I mean, you, you have the more important people, the military, these kind of people, they're getting paid, right? You're not seeing any of the senators or the uh, Congress people not getting paid. They're getting paid. The people who are not getting paid and as such aren't necessarily working are, you know, these non-essential people. So the question becomes this, though. If their jobs are easily replaceable by volunteers, are they necessary jobs to begin with? And I don't want to get into a deep discussion about how people having good paying jobs and this and that. I bring it up because I'm going to tie it into wrestling because that's what we do here, right? So I bring it up for this reason. The big story that came out just yesterday, I think it was yesterday, was that, of course, we've been seeing a lot with AEW. And the big, the big news today out of AEW is that they're signing uh, the guy from 90210's son, if he's called like Wild Boy or something or Soy Boy, I don't know. Whatever he like, he looks like George of the Jungle kind of thing. And uh, his father's Luke Perry. So you know, they're giving a young kid an opportunity. I don't know what role he's going to play within the organization, but it seems like he's making some waves. And I'm guessing, you know, if the dad makes an appearance, not the worst thing in the world. Bigger story to come out is the dudes that have brought you. AEW are saying that they are not necessarily going to hire writers. That they, the wrestlers, are going to be the creative team. And I want to talk about it. Because we've talked about from time to time how WWE's creative is a bit over the top with the type of control that they like within their creative direction. They want to have every bit of say in where the stories go. They want to tell you what lines should be spoken. They want essentially total and utter control. And this is fine if you prefer to operate that way. If you are not the creative brain type and you're just good at tasks. So if you are a wrestler and you are fine with doing a task, here's the promo we want you to cut, go out and do it to the best of your ability, then this is a great system for you. I'm not going to put down anybody who thinks that way. But I do think that from a federation standpoint, that there's a lot more you can do when you have more creative freedom. I think wrestling is the type of forum that always allowed guys to, while the storylines were likely written by writers, the character work was driven by the wrestlers themselves. So we've been looking at how over time, because it is a TV product, and it is 100% a TV product now to the point where pay-per-view doesn't really exist anymore because we have the WWE Network. This is the type of thing where it has become almost totalitarian in the way that things are run. It's very 
this is the way we do it, and there's no questioning it. And a lot of older wrestlers or younger ones who understand how the business used to be are questioning it. They're looking and seeing that you really only get somewhere if the WWE decides that you're getting somewhere. So it's very difficult to get yourself over when that's the case. And if the story's not supposed to go a certain way, it's hard for them to change it. We're seeing that today. As I'm, I still am not 100% on if they know what they should do with Becky Lynch. Like, I think they recognize that she's as big a star as we all think she is. But I'm not 100% convinced that they recognize that she's a bigger star than anybody in the women's division by a mile, including Ronda Rousey, by the way. That's not to say that Ronda doesn't have drawing power outside the WWE, but Becky's got drawing power and beyond right now. Right now, she is the hottest thing. But going back to AEW, they have decided that they don't need to hire writers. And I think it's an interesting experiment because if they can prove that writers aren't necessary, that you don't need these big Hollywood writers and you can come up with interesting stories and you can make the thing work, then they figured out a way to operate a federation on a, and pay the talent more rather than shelling out money for writers and being a little more limited in what you could do with the rest of your budget. Think about it. If they want to invest in pyro because they're not paying writers, they can do that. If they want to invest in another talent, they can do that. So they're leaving their options open to doing more with their group, with their, with their federation. I'm going to call it federation because I know it's an old school term. I don't know what else to call it. You know, they're all elite wrestling. They're a fed. I mean, that's what they are. So I think it's a cool idea. I don't know if it will work, but I'm all for new ideas. And I, I bring it up because if, if it does work, if it does work and they're putting on a quality program, then it may tell the rest of the wrestling world that the idea of, of television writers might be an outdated concept, might be an extraneous concept. And I don't know if that will end up having a ripple effect on WWE. I, I have no idea. In fact, I would guess no. If I had to guess off the bat, I would say no, it won't have any sort of lasting effect because – in order for anything to truly affect WWE, it has to affect their bottom line. And I don't know that anything could do that outside of like a cataclysmic exodus of talent. And even then, I honestly don't think it would affect them because I don't – short of like an entire walkout of WWE where all the talent just walk out and go, we're not working here anymore. I don't see there ever being a time where anyone can truly challenge them. And if that's the case, then you're not going to see a time where WWE enacts the changes that you want to see. With that said, and I'm going to go back to the AEW stuff. With that said, there was a story on the horizon where the WWE is testing a couple of things out. 
if you noticed on Monday night, they did a scene where Alexa Bliss, it seemed out of nowhere, but Alexa Bliss was getting changed for her segment, and someone walked in on her, and she covers up with the towel real quick. You don't see anything, of course. But, you know, there was like a hint of, well, she was probably naked, right? A day later, we do the story with Mandy Rose, again, also a hot blonde. And she's in the hotel room trying to seduce Jimmy Uso. And she takes off the uh, the robe to reveal, I'm going to say lingerie, but realistically what she was wearing was covering up more than her ring gear. But the idea is that they're testing out whether or not these more risque segments click with the audience to see if maybe they should go a little more risque. And I don't think we're going to go back to the attitude era or anything like that. Like, I don't, I'm not naive, you know, and I also don't think it's worth it to do that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to see Mandy Rose parading in a thong, you know, in the middle of the ring. And I don't, foresee that happening but the idea of you know pushing some characters like that it's not I've always looked at it like this I'm a fan or I used to be a fan of Saturday Night Live and the reason I like it is because you can watch a 90 minute program and that's what SNL is and you don't have to like all of it you could think that half the sketches are terrible. But if there's one gem of a sketch in there that's really, really funny, then it's worth watching. And the WWE can be the same way. You got three hours of Monday Night Raw. You got two hours of SmackDown Live. I'm not saying that every second and every segment has to be a hit. But if you can give people something that they enjoy... And you can hit different segments of people with your different segments. That's probably your best bet. You know, all right, well, the kids, they like uh, this type of character, so let's do a segment or two on that. The adults, well, they like a little more edge. So let's, uh, you know, let's have the main event guys or the mid-card guys tear each other apart. They want you know, they want to see brutality. And, uh, you know, we can have, like, the women in, like, a more family-friendly thing, and we can have... Some of the women doing something a little more risque. As long as you're not overstepping the line. Because, and I'll hearken back to this. I stopped watching wrestling for a little while in the early 2000s because it just got to the point where it was too embarrassing to be a fan. Like, as good as some of those matches were, you know, you're watching with the... uh, the Rocks and the Austins and the Kurt Angles and the Jerichos, the Benoits, those guys were great. But then you also had just some ridiculous stuff with the giving birth to the hand and, the, I mean, just all sorts of nonsense going on. It got to the point where I, was in, I, I couldn't defend watching this stuff. I legitimately could not defend a program that put on that type of content. And I don't want to get to that point again. It's already at the point where the show is just bad. But at least it's not immature and stupid. The show's not great right now. I got to defend why Baron Corbin is on television. But at least it's not bad. And I don't want to get back to that point where it is bad. I, I 
I can't deal with it. You know, where where it's just unwatchable because it's just so immature. And it doesn't even matter if like the main event was great. Oh man, we had you know the top of the card is uh, Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, and those matches are great. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But if below that, you know, we got the Big Show showing his ass, and you know, we got all sorts of just absolute nonsense. Yeah, I'm not going to defend that. You're not going to see me coming on the show and defending that. You're not. Because it's not worth it. It wouldn't be worth my time to tell you to watch crap like that. I've always viewed wrestling as very simple. If I can sell it in less than like two sentences, and I don't have to defend any part of it, I can just say, you know, listen, it's... uh, it's scripted entertainment featuring, you know, uh, predetermined competitive battle, uh, athletic battles and soap opera-esque storylines. Okay? You know, that, that might intrigue somebody, but it's not going to intrigue somebody to tell them, yeah, well, that's what it's supposed to be, but, like, we also have a guy who's 500 pounds and wants to have sex with everything and... You know, we also have people fighting over dog food and just whatever nonsense people can come up with. I don't think we need to go back down that route. But if you want to make things more personal between the wrestlers, you want the stories to really click. You want to add certain elements back in. Yeah, that I can dig. And again, tying it back, I do wonder if AEW is going to push those buttons. You know, I I wonder if they are willing to do a little bit more with their stories to see what clicks and what doesn't. I I am wondering this because I don't have the answer. And, you know, maybe the answer is that you just have to try things. I, I don't know. You know, I I can't predict what's going to work. I can tell you what I would like, but I can't tell you what's going to work. Like right now, we have a new number one contender for the world title, and it's Finn Balor. Do I know if that's going to drive ratings or if it's going to drive people to tune in on the network to watch? I don't know. Is it worth a shot considering he hasn't had a title shot since like, since he probably lost the title, honestly. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad move. Because, and let's do a little comparison shopping here. They did that with Jeff Hardy. Now, Hardy had not been world champion, but they tested the waters with Randy Orton, and pay-per-view buys were very good. A lot of it attributed to that match. So... I, for one, think it's worth giving things a shot. It's worth trying different things with your program. And I don't see the reason not to. Because what's the worst that could happen? It doesn't go over exactly how you thought. It fell flat. Well, a lot is falling flat now. It's falling flat now. So what's the difference? You know, if you're 
you're going to complain, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Well, there's a lot of stuff they're doing now that stinks. So why not try something different, right? I mean, this is the way that I would see it. I could be wrong, but I I can't imagine things getting worse at times. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just I like the idea of trying things out because you and look I watched this this Monday's Raw and they tried things. We have a new Intercontinental Champion. We're trying that out. We have a new number one contender. We're trying that out. We tried some raunchy stuff. Things happened on the show, and I legitimately went, "Wow, things happened." I might want to actually tune into that. I might want to see where this goes. And hey, the Royal Rumble's coming up in like two weeks. That's exciting. I might want to check that out. The Royal Rumble is always an exciting event, so maybe, maybe, maybe it's worth it. And that is what drives the program. So my question is going to be, how is AEW going to challenge the status quo? Because you have a lot of shows that do pretty well. I mean, MLW puts on a pretty good show. Lucha Underground puts on a very interesting show. I say that because it's your perspective. Like, either you're into it or you think it's the weirdest thing ever. And that's fine if you do. But they're at least experimenting with different stuff on a wrestling program. Impact has been doing very well. But none of those things. NXT is great. SmackDown is arguably great. But for whatever reason, it doesn't affect Raw. There's still this idea that Raw functions differently and it, but it does so well in the ratings, so we don't have to adjust it. And I wish I could tell people, you know, all you have to do, all you have to do is to make a statement with your feet or with your clicker, right? You know, they say that in politics, people vote with their feet, meaning if they leave the state because you're taxing them too much or you enact laws that people don't like, they're telling you that this is bad. Whether the people who stay there continue to vote for these people, if less people are there, they're voting with their feet. They're telling you we don't want to live in a place that's going to do that. And the same thing could apply when you think about this conceptually. Are you going to vote with your clicker? Are you going to actively tune out and send a message? The problem is I don't think enough people do because ratings have gotten low but they're not low enough. Like imagine if half the people tuned out and SmackDown got double the ratings raw. Do you think then those major changes would happen and we wouldn't get Baron Corbin still in the main event? You think maybe then we would really consider those things? You think then we would maybe go, hey, screw it, like these feuds that aren't hitting and aren't catching, maybe we should just give up on them? Maybe. The one thing I am intrigued about, though, and I knew it would take some time for this, but that the whole things are going to change thing, most storylines are unaffected. They're trying some things where, where they can, but a lot of storylines haven't been affected. What has been, though, is we're trying to introduce new talent, and there's a lot of them. Lacey Evans has been seen backstage. Heavy Machinery is interrupting Paul Heyman for some reason. I guess they're trying to establish the characters before they go out and wrestle, which is fine. 
I didn't hate it as much as some people. EC3 is posing a lot. I I feel like they don't really understand what EC3 is. If they think he's just going to be some mid-card guy that poses because he's a good body, he's not Chris Masters. He's got a lot more skill than that. I think you ought to establish a character with him. You know, he calls his move, like, I think the one percenter or something. Why don't we establish that, you know, he's born great. And, he, like, the, the character he's supposed to play, let him cut a promo. So far, he's just posing like a weirdo. And then there's Nikki Cross. We're still waiting on Lars Sullivan. Apparently, he had an anxiety attack, by the way. But Nikki Cross actually plays a character, which is fun. You know, I don't know what's going to become of her sanity team or if she's going to join them. But they're letting her be her for the time being. And that's what they need to do. The biggest issue we've had with NXT call-ups is, again, they kind of just change stuff to fit, quote-unquote, the main roster mold. And when you do that, you run into problems because the main roster mold isn't, isn't good. Not for everybody. You have to let these people be the characters that they should be and see if it works. If it doesn't, then yeah, change course. Do whatever you got to do. But the thing that brought them, you got to run with that. And I just don't understand why they don't. I mean, you're certainly not going to take Nikki Cross and turn her into the Alexa Bliss or the, uh, the Mandy Rose character. You know, I'm not saying she's unattractive. In fact, I find her very attractive. But there are certain characters that are made for that. And by the way, if you are in a relationship, if you are a married man, an engaged man like myself, and you're seeing those segments and you're like, hey now, now this is something I got to take back to the, the old wife ski or the old fiance ski. Well, How about a little bit of help? Why not increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed with BlueChew.com? That's blue like the color blue. And uh, BlueChew.com is, of course, the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, which if you've ever used those, oh, they work. They certainly work, and so does this. And the good news is you can take them any time of day, and you can even take it on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So if you're watching the show and you're ready to go, then pop those pills in, chew them up, and get right to your lady. And if you want to get going on this right away, the good news is they're made right here in the USA, and they ship direct and discreet. So the same way you might have ordered some other fun things to the bedroom, you order that blue chew, and here's how you do it. And right now we got a special deal for all of our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code WPP. You just pay the $5 shipping. That's right. Free with $5 shipping with the promo code WPP. So BlueChew, the better, cheaper, and faster choice and, of course, when you're the crab, faster is always better. So 
We thank Blue Chew for their support, for the network, and for you. So with that said, we get back to our regularly scheduled oiled up men and women. And as I was saying, you're seeing the difference between bringing people up and trying to incorporate who they are versus when they brought people up and they really didn't know what to do with them. And unfortunately, that was happening more and more. I think this crop, they've actually done a better job because they're trying to understand what characters were created. Because all too often, it's like the main writers didn't understand the work that NXT put in. They didn't understand what the people connected to in the characters that they had. So they were bringing them up, and it simply wasn't working. There was no discernible way to say, yes, these characters work in this way, and this is what they should be doing. It just wasn't happening that way. So we ran into some issues. We had a lot of guys and gals fall by the wayside. And even if you still see them, and you think that they're doing all right, think of how much better they could be doing. So I don't know, man. I'd like to see all these things kind of work. And we'll see what happens. Because you look at some of these guys. And I want to kind of run the gambit down. But Shinsuke Nakamura. Sami Zayn. Bailey, A lot of these people that they simply didn't understand what they should be doing. And they were a little bit... Bobby Roode is another great example. They were just limited to... Cool entrance. They used to be popular in NXT. Which brings me to my next point. AEW is starting up. And over the course of the last week, the rumors are that the Revival and Maria and Mike Kanellis have asked for their WWE release. It may have to do with the fact that they want to go to AEW. And also, of course, due to the fact that they're not exactly killing it in WWE at the moment. They don't feel that they're being used to their potential. The Revival is a great example of not being used to your potential because they were tag champions in NXT. They were a unique team in that they were old school. They did something different, and their matches were fantastic. Well, the main roster didn't necessarily understand what to do with that character, and they sort of just – I don't want to use the word buried because – it's not really what happened, but they certainly didn't get the type of push that you would expect after the big debut last April. They certainly didn't get that form of notoriety. Now, as far as as far as we're concerned, I want to look at some potential exits. And who might make sense for all elite wrestling? And again, I put, I put some work into finding out when guys might leave and what would make sense in happening. And I'm going to post these to the site. 
And I want you guys, I'll, I'll do a poll, actually, you know, of who you think is the most likely, and I hope you guys will share your opinions. But let's start with the guys who asked for their release. The likelihood is they don't get granted it. But if they could, do you think they'd make a good addition to AEW? I think the Revival's a great addition. I mean, Revival versus Young Bucks sounds pretty good to me. And I think, you know, we're going to get some other independent tag teams to come on board. You know, we'll see who else that may mean. But I would like to see them build a distinct and good tag team division. I think that would be beneficial to the brand. And the Revival would be a nice addition to that. And I do think that they would be a good fit because I don't know what AEW is going for, but I just get the sense that those guys will fit. As far as Mike Kanellis or Mike Bennett, again, uh, probably a good mid-card addition. You know, and he's got Maria. She was an independent wizard, you know, She's good to look at. She's willing to do whatever it is to be a good manager. So I would think that she, they'd be a great fit together. You know, is Mike Bennett worth anything without her? I don't know. I mean, he's a cool guy. You know, I've, I've met the two of them. He's a nice guy. But Maria's the star of the team. So you kind of have to have both. And, yeah, I, I do think both of them would be nice additions. So let's talk about a couple more. And just to give you an idea of wrestling uh, wrestlers' contracts that are expiring. Um, the first couple are very interesting. Because they're AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. AJ, I think, will probably stay for a couple more years. Is it possible that he doesn't? Yeah, I guess so. But his contract is up around WrestleMania time. And Shinsuke Nakamura's is too. Here's the third one to consider. The Good Brothers are up in September of 2019. Which means they won't be available for the next AEW show. But they might be a cool team to add later on. Again, I think guys who could be really good. I mean, look, they were, they're original Bullet Club guys, so obviously they'd fit right in. Guys, I, uh, I'm trying to confirm this. Yeah. Um, apparently this is real. And, uh... Killian Dane and Nikki Cross are married. So that's that's the thing that happened. And I'm looking at, at Nikki's Twitter and what she used to look like and what Killian Dane used to look like. Dude. It's pretty wild stuff. Like it's got red like red rooster type hair. Pretty crazy. I, I I actually didn't uh I didn't even know they were dating, but apparently they've been dating for ten years. And now they're married. So congratulations to the happy couple. Ten and a half years together. You know, I'm only gonna have like four under my belt when I get married. 
So good for them, man. You know, good for them. You know, and, and two talented people. I you know I happen to think they're both talented, and like I said, I really I enjoy the work that they've been doing. So I'm just blown away by this picture, man. I'm really blown away by like what Killing Dean used to look like. Dude was like super skinny, you know, with the red hair. It's wild stuff. I may have to post this picture. I mean, it, it is wild stuff. But yeah, these, these are obviously people who are not going anywhere anytime soon, right? I mean, they are married and happy in WWE. She just got the call up. So obviously not the type of people we're considering for this sort of thing. But AJ and Shinsuke are interesting, as as are the Good Brothers, because while Shinsuke was just champion of the United States, he's found more success outside of WWE. He's been pushed. I don't want to say he hasn't been. But let's not kid ourselves and think that been a success story in WWE. I really I don't think that's the case. Like, I'm just, I'm not buying that, you know? And I think it would be the type of thing that could be a pretty big impact move for AEW. Because you're talking about a guy who was just U.S. champion and who still holds star power. Like, I still think if you brought in Shinsuke Nakamura, that it would mean something. Even though his star may not burn as bright as it did when he joined WWE, it still holds a lot of credibility. So I think that's the type of move that could actually work. The Good Brothers, yeah, you're adding to that tag division. I think that could be really good. And... AJ Styles, I mean, if he's willing to leave and they're willing to pay him money to do stuff, you know, I'm all for it. But I also, I I would completely support him. It's interesting for wrestlers. And the big one, of course, is the Kenny Omega decision. But it's interesting as to whether wrestlers want to do the WWE thing, go to the place they've always dreamed of, or if this new place is offering something. But the reason I'm bringing up WWE talent is because if you've done WWE and it's just not going the way you thought it might, then I think there's some value in trying AEW. You've made some money. You've given it a shot. I think there's value there. And so I look at it like this. I think there's some people that would fit really well. I, I just don't know who's willing to take that risk. Like, I think a guy like Chad Gable would be great for a, you know for AEW. I think he could be AEW champion. I've always thought highly of him, but I think I think that WWE keeps bringing in new and exciting talents, and it's never going to get to the point where Chad Gable is considered as anything more than a lower to mid card act which is a shame because he's super talented. So I I don't think that he's going to get that type of opportunity, but outside of WWE, yeah, I think he's talented enough to be a champion. 
And if you're talking about Neville and Hangman Page being your main event, yeah, I think Gable can hang with those dudes. I think he's every bit as entertaining. I think he's every bit as good a wrestler. And I think he'd fit right in with that. So I think Gable, I think Bobby Roode, of course. You know, Bobby was saying, hey, I'm like 40 years old and I want less of a schedule, whatever it is. Yeah, I think he could be a fit too. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to say things like Samoa Joe. I don't buy it. You know, I think Joe... I think Joe's a guy who always wanted to get to WWE, and I don't think he's going to be satisfied until they make him a champion. Some way, somehow. I don't know where or how that's going to be. Um, you know, I, I really would... I really wish this was a year ago, and they built him up to beat Brock Lesnar. I really think that would have been, you know, the Samoan submission machine submits Brock Lesnar or makes him pass out, you would have established a major star at that point. Man, the stories you could have told. I mean, could you imagine if they told that story and then they built someone up to take the title off of him, you know, because he was submitting everybody. It was really tough. And you get this, like, you know, this quality underdog that finally beats him. Man, what a story they could tell. What a story they could tell, right? I mean, there's so much they could have done with that. Unfortunately, I think they may have missed that boat, but I still think there's time to make him a champion. Um, I think your best bet is to look at guys who are kind of floating in the mid-card, but also guys that may have a mentality of and a good personality to fit in with the all elite kind of guys. Like, would Mojo Rawley be that type of guy? I don't know. I don't see it. Zack Ryder? Maybe. I feel like Zack Ryder's just like, you know, all WWF all the time. So I don't know if he aspires to do that. If he did, I feel like he would have left already. Because he could have went to Impact. He could have went to, you know, MLW. He could have went to Ring of Honor. I mean, Zack Ryder's a big enough name where he could have went to any of those places and done well. He could have. I don't think he wanted to. I don't think that was ever in the cards for him. I think he loves being WWE, even if he's not getting a push. I think that's his home. That's where he wants to be. So as, I think that would be more of like a, you know, a daydream to think that, to think that we could see a guy like that go and, and make some sort of an impact. No pun intended, of course. And I don't know what AEW is going to call their show if they have, like, a weekly show. Um, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely – and those are the guys who's, uh, from what I can find, their contracts are up. I don't know if there's any other ones that just we don't know their contract status. That's entirely possible, and I just don't have the answer to it. From what I'm seeing, though, the only other contracts that are up this year, it looks like Moro Ronaldo. So, unless they're looking at that as being a, uh, you know, him being an announcer, but I, I think he found a home in NXT. I don't think he needs to go anywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering, I guess I'm just wondering where they want to go with the roster. Because you could do a lot of different things with that. I mean, you could go the route of stealing talent from, like, say, New Japan 
Ring of Honor. I mean, I'm looking at the New Japan guys. Obviously, Kenny Omega being the big one. But Kushida's contract is up. Uh, Beer City Bruiser. Kota Ibushi's working freelance. Madison Rain's contract is up soon. I mean, there are guys who are out there. But the other thing, and I don't... I don't want to sound insensitive or racist or anything like that, but I don't think that they want to turn AEW into New Japan West. What I mean is, I think they want it to be their own thing as an American product. And part of that, and again, not trying to be insensitive, but there, if there's a language barrier on an entertainment program, that is not the easiest thing. However, if let's say you had a Shinsuke Nakamura or a Kushida or a Kota Ibushi, who's to say you don't give him a manager? And you just talk about his striking abilities and how he can hurt people. You could make a, you know one or two characters like that work. You just can't have your entire roster that way. Because it works in Japan because they speak the language. doesn't work here. You know, if you're trying to have mass appeal, it's not going to work out like that. So, yeah, I got to say, it's pretty wild, man. Like, to think who and what might do this. I'm going to try to find a, a more full list of when contracts expire, but I certainly think it's interesting to note. But at the same time, it's not. Like, you know what I miss? I miss the days where stuff could just happen because you didn't have access to this information. I was having a conversation with a coworker today. Um, She's significantly younger than I am. And I didn't realize, like, sometimes you don't realize how much of a gap there is in the type of things you went through in life. And I realized that, yeah, I remember a time where you couldn't just get anything off the internet because going the internet was a pain in the ass. Right? You had to have the dial-up modem, and ideally you had two phone lines because otherwise you had to tell mom not to go on, on the phone you know, so you can go on the internet and maybe chat with that girl from school or whatever it was going to be, right? Like, this is our reality in in the 90s and early 2000s, right? This is the life we lived, you know, and this is what we did. Uh, and back to that, and look at the difference. In 1996, when Scott Hall jumps the guardrail, no one knew he was leaving WWF. So they legit believed that, you know, he could have been invading the damn show. Nobody knew. Fast forward to 98 when WWF tried to invade WCW with D-Generation X. If they actually did that, no one would have known if WCW did it or if WWF did it, or what was going on. 
you could have thought that hell, DX just jumped ship. They're WCW now. You know, you you didn't know. And that was kind of the cool thing. Nowadays, yeah, we know these things. It's there's no it's very hard to do actual surprises. The best surprises would be if you really have the people fooled. But I feel like these days it's more like I remember AJ Styles debuting and that was a big moment. But it was the kind of thing where people knew, you know, he had just lost his last match in New Japan. He was kicked out of the Bullet Club. Everyone knew he was leaving. So the question was, was he going back to Impact? Was he going to Ring of Honor? Was he finally signing with WWE? And it was, you know, the rumor was WWE. But it was more of like a, I'll believe it when I see it type deal. And then you saw it. But imagine it was the type of thing where you had no idea. Right? Where like... It just happened. You know, if we didn't care about, you know, 30-day contracts or, you know, 90-day no-compete clauses and just AJ was on Wrestle Kingdom and then you just didn't hear from him for a while and then, boom, he's at the Royal Rumble. You didn't have the internet to tell you. You just saw it. Imagine how amazing that would feel. Maybe misdirection works. Like, maybe all this stuff with Kenny Omega going to AEW, maybe it's misdirection. Maybe he ends up in the Rumble. You know, because no one's, like, no one's expecting it anymore. I feel like very few people, and we'll talk about this next week, but I feel very few people are expecting Kenny Omega to go to WWE, which is interesting because until the AEW announcement, it was looked likely that he was going to do that. You know, that that he was finally ready to make that jump. He got his run as champion in New Japan, and he was ready to give it a shot for a couple of years or a year or whatever he wants to do. You know, and I was starting to think ahead. I was like, what if if they really gave it a shot? And they were like, hey, you're going to come in and you're going to win the Rumble and fight Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. How's that? I mean, like, that would be... That would take a brass set from WWE to actually pull that trigger or pull that V trigger if you want to get all punny about it. I don't know. I, I I think it would be interesting to do that. Like your debut, you win the Royal Rumble. You'd have to have a lot of confidence that the guy is not going to flop, though. And that people are going to be invested in what he does before he ever does anything. You need to be invested in that for if in order for that to work. So it goes without saying that, yeah, you need to know that it's, I think Kenny Omega would, as long as they treat him like every bit as big a deal as AJ Styles. Do I think he is? No. But if you treat him that way, people will buy it. There's no reason they wouldn't. If you treated him like a big star, people would buy it. You know, the issue everyone always had was you bring a guy in and you treat him like he's not that good. You know, well, he's not a WWE guy, so he's not that good. No, you need to treat them like they're on, you know, that they are worth and belong where they are. So, yeah, I mean, the Kenny Omega thing is intriguing, and I honestly do not know where they're going to go with that. 
Yeah, I, I want to give you, unfortunately, another name I was hoping for, which was um, the New Heart Foundation in MLW. I was hoping that maybe they could be a tag team to be brought over to AEW. I'm a fan, but I think they're all locked up, or at least uh, Davy Boy Smith is locked up for a couple of years. So I don't know that we're going to see that anytime soon, unfortunately. And I honestly don't know. What I'd like to see out of it is pretty simple. Get a couple of names that, you know, show that you have some firepower. WWE names, legends, a couple. WWE names, take what, you know, take what you can get if they're still hot. You know, I'm not saying get, like, Jack Swagger, who used to be in WWE, although not a bad hand to have. But I'm saying, like, if a guy is there now and wants to leave, yeah, you got to get a couple of those. A couple of those, wow, I can't believe this guy is here. That's unbelievable. Yeah, do that. But what I'd really like to see, and I know they signed one woman so far, build yourself a strong women's division. Not like Ring of Honor where they don't have personalities. Do what WWE has done and invest in your women. Make it a valuable part of your show. Do the same with your tag teams. And don't get too gimmicky. The last thing we need, and I think this has always been one of the downfalls of TNA, is that they always relied heavily on gimmicks. Well, we got the Ultimate X match, and we're a six-sided ring, and it always felt niche. If AEW wants to be something more, they need to be a little bit better than a niche product. They need to hit fans with the type of product they want to see, but they can't cater to all sorts of nonsense. Case in point, I was listening to the um, the Talk is Jericho podcast the other day, and he had Mustafa Ali on. Really good listen, by the way, if you haven't had a chance. But I thought it was interesting, you know, a guy gets called up to the main roster, out of nowhere almost. It it was a long time coming, not just for him, but for 205 Live, because, you know, if you create that thing where it's like, well, these guys are separate, they're not part of the rest of the roster, then it's hard to believe that if you ever make that move, that they should be bought as anything credible. But with Mustafa Ali, they brought him up organically. They're like, oh, you know, he's having a match. He happened to be around. He's having a match with Daniel Bryan. And he took Daniel to the limit. He didn't win, but he had a great match. And now you're going, wow, this guy belongs. He just fought the world champion. And now they decide they're going to give him a push. You know, it's that type of thing. That if you nail it properly, it's great. And now it tells people that you're not stuck on 205 Live forever. Because I think Neville thought that. I think you might have that currently, which is why Mike Kanellis wants to leave. Where guys feel like, yeah, if I'm here, no one's ever going to see me as a main roster talent. But if this thing continues to work with Mustafa Ali, you might. I think that's the hope. I hope they 
are able to follow through with it, not just have guys who, you know, come up and pee-pee their pants. I'm talking about guys successful in 205. And you give them a shot elsewhere. Like, you know what would be a cool idea? One of the mid-card champions has an open challenge. 205 guy answers it and wins the title. All of a sudden, you got a mid-card champion that was on 205 Live. That would lend some credibility to it. And notice how I'm saying that, not like world title. I understand Mustafa Ali is fighting for the world title, but I don't see him winning it. I do think that if you debuted him against Shinsuke Nakamura, it wouldn't be so ridiculous for him to win the United States Championship. At least not as ridiculous. Like, I would buy it. And that's what you're looking for is, you know, try something different. If you do that, then we might be intrigued. So we got a couple of minutes left here. So what did we learn today? Well, we learned that you should go to our Facebook page, which is Mouth of the South Shore Radio Show. I'm going to put up a poll. I'm going to put up the Killian Dane and Nikki Cross picture. We've got some good – and maybe we'll tweet it out too, do some Instagram you know, all those social media places, and those are at MOTSS Radio. Uh, we learned that AEW is making moves, kind of. They got uh, Jungle Boy coming in, whatever his name is. We learned that writers may not be necessary if you're AEW, and how that might correlate to the rest of the world and whether or not these are essential people to your wrestling federation. And we learned what people's contracts are coming up. Because that might be important. I'm intrigued by the next few months. Problem is I got to worry about that and a wedding. So I'm going to need your guys' help to kind of stay on top of this stuff. I'm going to do my best. But if stuff is happening and, you know, I'm doing whatever I'm doing to, you know, do the marriage thing and the crab is doing the marriage thing because we're both doing that this year, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for the road ahead. I'm excited to see where this goes. I hope it's not all hype and no delivery. I mean, All In was a great show. But can they make that a product that's sustainable? Are they going to find a model that is sustainable? So with that said, we've come to the end of our long and winding road. And in the words of the dead, what a long, strange trip it's been. I am, of course, the mouth of the South Shore, Eric Cordova. So for the Crav, for Bobby, for BlueChew.com, where you can get all your enhancement needs. And uh, for Dennis and the guys over at Wrestling Perspective Network, where we are now located, I thank you for giving us the time tonight. And we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us. And peace out, boys and girls, and whatever else is out there. Have a good night.